Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We appreciate you sharing your midday with us. You can text us, share your thoughts, your comments, your grief, your anger. This is how we roll, folks, on a Monday. We can be therapeutic. We can all get through this together. If you are suffering some kind of pain still after Carolina lost their first game of the season to the Falcons on the road, 24 to 10. The number to text is 704-570-9610. The number is 704-570-9610. We have five things we learned about the Panthers coming up in just about 20 minutes. We still have some college football to get to. It seemed like listening to the Mac and Bone show, Wes, that Panthers fans, the only thing they could find solace in is that Matt Rule could not get a victory or come even close to it, especially once the second half came around in the Nebraska-Colorado game. That's what Panthers fans are finding solace in this weekend and coming into this week. Yeah, well, I guess you got to find something, you know. But as a lot of people say, man, it's just week one, you know. Things didn't look necessarily the way you wanted it to look. And maybe you took some of these things and read further down the road into them. But regardless of the fact, it's only week one, so we'll see. We got some people asking if they can call in. Maybe we can do that a little later I was on. thinking that during yeah. the game. I said we might have to let yeah. some people Not- uh let, let us get through the mind. right, yeah. Let let us get through the opening segment. Then maybe we can let some people call in a little bit later on as well, and then really share some of the thoughts that they had <laughs> about the opener for the 2023 season. Unfortunately, Carolina is 0 and 1, and also, unfortunately, the rest of the NFC South is 1 and 0. Surprisingly, in some cases, we'll get to it all right now. Kidding me? We got breaking news already. Fitty, hit us. What you got over there? All right. Disney and Charter, they have ended their dispute. Channels including ESPN will be restored to 14.7 million customers ahead of tonight's Monday night football debut between the Bills and the Jets. Maybe that wasn't breaking news sound worthy. I don't know. I think it's okay. But as someone that has been affected by this and has been that close to going and getting YouTube TV, oh, I've you not pulled do it. the plug. Oh, okay. And this is why. Because I, I remained patient and faithful that these greedy TV companies would do the right thing. And before four time makes his debut tonight as a New York jet, it has all come to fruition. Um, I'm surprised. I thought you would go to YouTube TV. So you held on just long enough and charter ESPN. They're able to come together and figure out a way to keep Josh Fitty Marlowe on watching that streaming platform. Yeah. It's still what's going to be funny is, is I'll go, I'll go see my mom all tomorrow and she's still going to complain because she didn't get to see any of the U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. So I got to hear about this all yesterday. But uh, we were kind of talking about it in the side studio this morning. Kind of surprised there actually has been a resolution because there didn't seem to be any sense of urgency to get this deal done. No, there didn't. 
and it didn't seem like after the messaging anytime that you would click on one of the channels really it was just a message we're trying very hard to make sure that we have the right agreement for you the customer so that it can be as beneficial as possible to you the customer yada 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 i don't care give me the game somehow you ain't lying man i knew something was gonna happen at some point because so many people were going to convert over to other streaming platforms and they could not afford that so they had to get something done i knew uh this would happen in a timely fashion all right so so i i told you that only people only panthers fans were finding solace in the colorado win Matt Rule specifically lost. That's really the part they're focusing on. I think now, according to the text line, we got a lot of people saying hallelujah, let's go. They're excited. We still have some people texting in for Fitty to go ahead and make that jump, which I would advise as well. Get out in front of it. Just go ahead and make that jump. Let's make the jump off of the bus. Fitty, go ahead and open up the doors, and let's talk about the Panthers' uh, first loss. We look good getting off the bus. You have a jump off the back of the bus. I got something to say. <laughs> I'd be too scared. Too yeah, joke. sometimes, you know, not while the bus is moving, obviously. <laughs> well, but when well, it's taking know. too long to get out of the front, they open the back door <laughs> and you jump off the back. I, I definitely have done that. Okay. And for right. me, it wasn't so obvious. I thought yeah. you were talking about yeah, when if it was I'm jumping moving. off while it's moving, I probably wouldn't be here. Well, I didn't know, Wes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I had no clue just how reckless you were. All right, Panthers, they lose to the Falcons 24 to 10. There's lots of things to take away. We're going to get into more detail as the show goes on, of course. But I wanted to get your one big thing. Scott Van Pelt style, if you will. Let's go around the room and let's get the main takeaway from what you saw in this loss. Watching Bryce Young in his debut, Brian Burns go crazy in the first couple of steps. I'll stop there before I go full eight mile. What's your main <laughs> takeaway there, Wes? Um, the main takeaway is I think we are kind of seeing that the Panthers' weapons are a little bit more limited than even we thought. Uh, I think DJ Chark, once he comes back, he's definitely going to provide some relief. But uh, Adam Thielen, and again, this is all just one game, but uh, Adam Thielen was really nowhere to be found in this game uh, as well. The, the the passing attack just definitely looked like it's lacking a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was uh, the biggest takeaway as far as just offensively. It doesn't seem like they have quite enough. I'll give you my biggest takeaway is the fact that I put Bryce Young a little too much on the pedestal. I felt a little too comfortable. I got to fall on that sword with, with you. With, with the rookie quarterback. And let's get it clear. It does not mean I think Bryce Young is going to struggle this year. I think Bryce Young is still going to be a good quarterback. But Wes, after what I saw, and yeah, even in preseason, even in preseason, I just didn't see anything that he did wrong. It was the offensive line that looked in shambles. And even specifically, Bozeman against Lawrence and Icky the entire time. That was what the real issue was with the passing game. The first throw that Bryce Young completes in preseason, boom, gets dropped. On the completion to Adam Thielen, but gets dropped. I was like, okay, it's all the offensive line. I even thought the receivers were going to be better. That confidence had started to wane even in the preseason. I was like, all right, Mingo might be the guy because he's the only one I feel good enough athletically that can get separation, that can make catches at the point of contact contact or even at the highest point if you will but here I think the thing I learned most about was there were a couple of times that Bryce Young threw interceptions Frank Reich spoke today and said the first interception was on him for putting the team in that situation I thought that was cool to see Frank Reich take accountability for the interception outright said I put him in a bad situation had a delay of game penalty that was all my fault but Wes we saw a replicate we saw a copy and paste interception. I mean, it looked very similar. Jesse Bates, excellent player. I apologize for Wake not putting. I apologize for not putting him on my top ten list yes, and instead yes, having him honorable yes. mention. 
what a, what a difference he made in this game, having a couple of those takeaways, even a part of the fumble recovery as well. So I think that's my play. I think with me, Bryce Young, I, I felt way too good about somebody making their first NFL start, even if it was against a defense that I thought was improved but not amazing. I think that's my biggest takeaway. Perhaps I should have been a little more patient. I, I, I'm not, not going all the way back, but just a little more patient before we make this debut. Vinny, did you have one main takeaway walking away from this Panthers loss? You know, this is an offseason full of hype and uh, hope because Matt Rule is no longer here. This is still a roster and a franchise that's in transitioning from the worst head coach maybe this franchise has ever seen. And uh, there's going to be some growing pains along the way. All right. So I think that's what a lot of people are writing in on the text line as well. We got a lot of text. We want to hear your main takeaway as well. It looks great. Spence saying, Walker, can we call Ted Ginn Jr. out of retirement to run some smoke routes downfield? I'm sure that even at 38, he's much faster than our fastest current receiver. Yeah, it doesn't look great. I think that was a main takeaway, as you mentioned, Wes. That was your number one. Receivers not getting open downfield. If we were to continue to go with this, and we'll get to some of that in the second segment, too, but if we were to do, here's something you were right on, here's something you were wrong on, I had been one that felt better about the receivers than national pundits. Score one for the national pundits. Score zero for Walker. Um, I think... I also didn't think Adam Thielen was going to get a thousand yards. I feel very good about that take today. What I don't feel so good about is Hayden Hurst not getting six or 700 yards. That could very much happen, especially if you don't feel great about the receivers. Frank Reich has always liked using the tight end. We saw that on full display. Even the targets that Hayden Hurst doesn't bring in. They're looking to Hayden. They're working him in the middle of the field. They had an excellent play design on the touchdown drive where Hayden Hurst stays in to block a little bit. The offensive line holds up. And then he releases, crossing through traffic. And then he's wide open as soon as he gets through all the traffic. Thought that was an excellent play design for them. Hayden Hurst, that's a bright spot offensively. He, you, Do you have a receiving tight end this year? According to game one, it looks like you do, Wes. Yeah, and so when you look at data, and I looked this up during the offseason, they were saying how it's kind of a myth that tight ends are a quarterback's best friend, a young guy. Right, exactly. But he definitely uh, looks like he's going to be Bryce Young's best friend, at least in the interim. And so I have uh, Pudge on the line asking me to be honest about Horn. I'm not sure really what he would want me to say uh, at that point, but that's a topic that we're going to get to uh, today as well. But, yeah. Hayden Hurst definitely looks like a guy you can trust. And again, that's the thing, though. In a 17-game season, we know you had to get 63 a game. And I'm not saying Adam Thielen's going to get to 1,000. But you had to get 63 a game. You add another game onto it. And in a 1,000-yard season, if you look, especially guys who barely get over it, there are going to be some duds in there. So I'm not going to completely count Thielen out. But he definitely didn't show up for this game. And the passing game definitely looked very limited. Um, 806. One takeaway from 806 is that Burns is going to get his bag. No question about it. I just can't believe. I was looking at just a side note. I can't believe how just how big he's got, man. I remember covering him at Florida State. And, I mean, he was a guy you were questioning if he was ever going to be able to put on the requisite size to play in the NFL. And I was just looking at him on Sunday, and I was like, God. I was like, Burns, since his FSU days, has had that putting on at least 40 pounds. That was that was the biggest concern about him coming out of college. If you were out on Burns in the first round, it wasn't because of his ability. The guy was amazing. The bendiness, 
being able to get around the edge. You couldn't stop him with the speed rush. It was all about power, run defense, and how small he was. That's why you were out on Brian. Mm-hmm. And he's been able to be very good despite that. And here's Brian Burns talking about if he had something to prove with the way that he was playing right at the beginning of the game. Nope. I don't feel like I have anything to prove. I want both some money. I feel like I've done done what I needed to do. And I'm uh, just being consistent. You know, I'm just taking the next step in my game. And uh, that's I want to dominate, you know. Um, so coming out in that first quarter, first half, whatever, it's all that's all was on my mind was dominating. And um, I just got to make sure I don't fizzle out when they change their game plan against me. See, love Brian Burns. I'm going to have nothing but fantastic things to say about what he did against the Falcons. I do not believe that. I do not believe right. him when Big he says cap. he had Massive nothing to prove. Cap. Because he, left, he let out a ton of emotion after the way he was balling. And I don't blame him. I, I would do the same thing. I think so many other people in that situation would do the same thing. If you didn't have anything to prove, then I don't think that you would be putting up the Venom Spider-Man with the black suit right. being emotional on social media. And I get it because this is a tough situation. Wes, at the end of the day, if we want to quote Matt Rule, and Frank Reich said it in his presser today, and I twitched a little bit. It's like, oh, end of the day. Damn. Get out of here. <laughs> get out of here, Rule. Go lose to Colorado. But when he discussed that, I thought, all right, Burns here is some he, – he's gone through a lot this week. I think this is someone that wants to play football very badly and told us, we'll play some of that sound, that he's going to all year long. But he wants to play. I'm sure he's hearing different things from different parties, his representation. Hey, we need to apply the pressure so you don't go out there on the field. They don't have a lot of pass rush. They lose even worse maybe than what they did. You don't have the production from Brian Burns, and then you can really hold their feet to the fire. And then without that, maybe Carolina says, well, we're not having any pressure, so maybe we just allow this thing to go on and on and on. I I just think, right, we're going to see Brian Burns get paid some amount of money that is a lot, whether it's 25, whether it's 30. It's going to be a lot of money no matter how you slice it. But I do think even with all of that, it has to be a tough week for Brian Burns because you want to play football. You also want to do the best thing for your bank account. And you're getting asked questions constantly doing this weird roller coaster back and forth. Michael Scott, snip, snap, snip, snap. Are you going to practice or you're not? Tough week, but ended on a high note. Yeah, because uh, Nate Wembley had reported that he wasn't going to play, if I'm not mistaken. I thought he was not going to play. And so when he comes out there on Sunday and does his thing, wouldn't it be weird if he decided to sit out this week? He's like, all right, so. I could do in the games. Now I'm going to see. It would be a changing of his mind because he did say but, that he was going to play all season, but, yeah, but you're right. Yeah, you're right. he definitely came through and improved his value to this football team and showed what he can do, getting off to a nice start, one and a half sacks. So now he's on pace for, uh, let's see, that would be like 25, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere in, the, in those uh, in that realm. He was amazing. What, what can you say? <laughs> I mean, honestly, let's – hell, I don't want to go too dramatic. It's one of the best games he's ever played. I – the guy was effective as hell. Even that Bijan Robinson tackle, where if they don't have a quick pass to Bijan, if Desmond Ritter just either fakes it or holds on to the football, that might be a sack because he beats the tackle immediately off the line of scrimmage, and that's how Bijan loses six yards on the reception. As soon as he catches that football, boom, Burns is right there. He was amazing. He was flat out amazing in this game. And short of not playing in these other contests that are coming up, I think you put as much pressure on this front office to make something shake as soon as possible. Yeah, they need to get the man paid. All right, let's talk a little more about some things we learned. We have five things that we learned about Bryce, about the O-line, the skill guys. We'll go to other position groups coming up next. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. We're trying to have a happy Monday on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I want to get to some text before we get to what we learned about different position groups, about different players regarding the Carolina Panthers. Here's Colin writing in on the text line 704-570-9610. Figured this out today. David Tepper, six seasons with Carolina, 29 and 54. Two seasons with Charlotte FC, 20, 27 and 13. Overall, 49, 81, and 13 as an owner. They are done with the losing right now, which is, I expect nothing less. But they're already going after David Tepper's record. Let's split this play out a little bit, but (laughs) certainly some pressure. We all know that. There's definitely pressure after hiring Matt Rule, paying what you did in order to bring Matt Rule into the organization having him be the first guy fired just in year three with the organization. And now you bring in Frank Reich. So there's a lot of pressure, but I certainly don't think that the losing is going to continue at the magnitude that it did before this regime. Maybe they don't get to 500 this year. Maybe that's possible, but I do think that they are set up well to build off of what they have right now. And ultimately it starts with their number one overall pick in Bryce Young. Yeah, no question about it. And I mean, I think when you watched him play, I think you felt a little bit encouraged as far as just the poise that he showed. But uh, I think this is an organization that still, after the offseason they had, we'll see how everything plays out. But I think things are still trending in the right direction as we sit here right now. All right, do you have any Tepper thoughts, Fiddy? Well, I guess when... And with Frank Reich, is it okay to criticize Tepper? Because like, it's, it's unfair to go after him right now. Sure. But, like, is year one even too early? Because, like, he swung and missed on Matt Rule. You look at the FC side, they're on their second coach. They've, they've gone through, I think, two presidents. That organization hasn't been stable, to say the least. So I guess it can be interesting because he's definitely not impressive the record-wise. But, like, is week eight a good measure point to see? Okay, He's learning as an owner because we're all admitting he's learning on the job. I think Tepper's already done his learning, right? Like, we, we already know what he's done so far this offseason. I don't know what you're going to be able to do in the regular season. This ultimately comes down to giving Frank Reich a sample size, giving Bryce Young a sample size that's worth measuring, and then seeing how Scott Fitterer does with Frank Reich and how they do once you get some semblance of a football team that you think is ready to win right now. We can all have context. We can get to week eight, and if they're two and six, if they're whatever at the midway point of the season, that's a losing record we don't love, then we might do the whole, uh, doesn't look great. I don't think that's going to be the point, though, where you look at Frank Reich and blame him. I think you would still give him another season. They're not going to overreact to one season. And look, we're having this conversation right now after one game. Yeah. You know, like it's, I, I get it. I get it. it. It's sports radio, so we'll project. We'll start to look into the future a little bit, but, you know, I... I'm not worried about Frank Reich right now. I'm not at all. 
we, we still have to get to the depths of the first season with him, a part of this squad. Let, let's do the whole, what do we learn thing, right? Let's just go ahead and jump into it. I think we'll answer a lot of texts by diving into it with this segment. Let's start with Bryce Young. Number one overall pick. I told you that was my biggest takeaway. I still feel very good about him. Wes, you said the same thing. My confidence is not wavering by any stretch of the imagination. I felt like I put too much on him with my expectations. And Jesse Bates beat him in a in a philosopher game yesterday, right? Like he was just he just made the smart plays, duped him. Jesse Bates even talked about it after the game. He knew that Frank Reich, he knew the offensive coaching staff wasn't going to put Bryce Young in bad situations to the point where they were really looking for the deep ball. They want Bryce Young to get the football out of his hands very quickly, something that he did in Alabama. You want to have that transition from college to help ease him into the NFL game. And so Bates even said, yeah, I felt like on that in route, that's something I could break and not have to worry about the guy beating me over the top. And he made that same read twice and he came up with a football twice. And it was just really smart football from a fantastic safety that got a lot of money this offseason, and he lost on a couple of those throws, Wes. That he did. And so I think the thing that you take away from the Bryce Young performance, though, is he still exhibited great poise, though, on the field. He never looked rattled. He didn't look like a guy who was getting frustrated with what was going on. You saw him hit the the training table one time when he walked over. But, of course, he's an athlete. He's a competitor. Uh, That is going to happen. I think you learned a, a few things. Uh, that was the one positive. Then I think you're looking and you say, well, he may be a little bit, uh, obviously he is green being a rookie, but obviously you feel like he has a little bit more to learn uh, than expected, especially in an offense to where he doesn't have a complete set of receiving weapons being that you've got the deep threat. You got, a inter- you got an intermediate guy. You've got a short range guy. And I think that's what Jesse Bates' comments illustrated. And he's saying that, okay, we know this isn't a team that's going to threaten us deep that often. So we're going to sit on the shorter routes. And I think that's something. This is a copycat league. So you better believe the New Orleans Saints, whose defense looked pretty good yesterday, mm-hmm. they're going to do the same thing. And they, I think they had three guys get interceptions yesterday. They had three interceptions. Yeah, they're going to be yeah. sitting on uh, short routes all day, too. And you know Honey Badger, he's as intuitive as there is. So that's going to be a, a dangerous game to watch out as well because – Carolina's going to have to try to go deep at least some of the time because that's going to be the blueprint for a lot of teams going forward. If they can't win matchups going down the football field, teams are going to sit on those short routes all day until the Panthers prove them otherwise. And by the way, that first interception for Bryce, Frank Reich took full accountability for. So you had the offensive pass interference on Thielen backing up. Delay of game which is something the coaching staff took accountability for, backs him up even more. All right, so now you have your own end zone right behind you, and you're trying to make something happen downfield. That's why Frank Reich took accountability for it. It's you're trying to make something happen. There's the interception. Done. The Falcons are able to score a touchdown because of it. And then look what happened after that. They're able to score a touchdown right after with Bryce Young. So you talk about just having the poise and having the ability to answer a bad play. Bryce Young led them with the touchdown pass at the end to Hayden Hurst, had a couple of third down conversions, the throw to the sideline to Jonathan Mingo, I thought was a good big time QB throw to extend the drive. So Bryce Young really answered. You're right about that. What do we learn about the offensive line, Wes? I'll let you go first on this one because it certainly didn't look good in the preseason. Uh, I think the offensive line definitely came out and played a, a great game yesterday until the end. It gave up a couple of sacks, but uh, in my notes, I definitely had as I watched the game at the offensive line, they were playing really good running the football and protecting Bryce Young. And that was the thing that maybe if you wanted to look at 
the interceptions and take the negative, you would say, well, he had great protection and still made some some really bad throws there on those interceptions. But other than that, I think the offensive line, you can be encouraged by. This wasn't the best front seven in the Atlanta Falcons. And so uh, that's the thing. They definitely did a lot of work to improve this group. But they were able to hold their own. And for this game right here, they definitely competed. And they looked apart. They they looked like the team. They looked like the offensive line that left off last season when they were running the ball all over people with Foreman and uh, protecting the passer. Not the reason they lost yesterday. No, I, I was not to- at all. I was totally fine with the offensive performance. The, the turnovers, I think that's key. The turnovers were the thing that hurt Carolina the most, as it does in a lot of losses that teams suffer. But those were just bad reads by Bryce Young. Jesse Bates making a couple of great plays. Those were two interceptions. Miles Sanders fumbled. But remember, Miles Sanders picked up 10 yards on that play. So it wasn't the offensive line not creating a gap and then somebody just blowing him up and exposing him to a hard hit. Now, Miles fumbled that at the end of what was a 10-yard gain to set them up potentially for a second and five after first and 15. The offensive line run blocking, Wes, I thought they created massive gaps. I mean, you talk about with Frank Reich's comments today saying the Falcons had five explosive runs. The way they define that is if you have a rush longer than 10 yards, the Falcons had five rushes longer than 10 yards. The Panthers had five rushes longer than 10 yards. And Chuba Hubbard, I thought, got going on the ground. Miles Miles Sanders looked good. I thought that you had those gaps created. The offensive line run blocking, I was good with it. Now, one thing you could point to was fourth and short, they decided to go for it, and they got zero push. They they got destroyed off the line. Grady Jarrett, I thought, made a phenomenal jump. Jumping right, crossing Chandler Zavala. Oh, you think you can run up the middle? Psych. And then Chuba tries to go to the left, and there's just no room. That's a bad offensive line play. But I also... Just if we want to sit down here for a little bit, I had no problem with that go for it call. Completely cool with it. So you get there, you're fourth and one. You had been running very well. Your offensive line was run blocking to the point that's how you got there. It's not like you're picking apart the defense with Bryce Young constantly to get down there at the end. He played well, but it was your run game that set you up. So if you had enough confidence in your offensive line to get you to that point, and you wanted to go for it because you were so close to scoring a touchdown, I was completely fine with that call. The offensive line got blown up. Got blown up at that specific spot. Okay. They lost it, and then they give it over to the Atlanta Falcons. I think one thing, though, man, you notice, if you watch football across the board, especially NFL football, it is so hard to convert short yardage runs. How many teams did we see yesterday get down inside of the two or the three try to run it into the goal line and getting stuffed time after time. Because when the defense knows and they can sell out against the run, it's going to be you have to have a, a just a, as you said, a juggernaut of an offensive line to convert. Because there's so many gaps that get exploited when you have seven, eight guys all just coming full board to the line of scrimmage to make a play on the run, especially if you've got some decent interior players. It makes it really difficult. So short yardage in the NFL is no gimme. I feel like the best bet is like inches when you get the quarterback. And you see even now more and more teams are getting guys up behind the quarterback to push him over because it's it's hard to get that push when you've got so many guys going. Well, and Philadelphia is an extreme example, but they just pick it up nonstop. But also they have the best offensive line in football. They also have an amazing running QB. So when you're just doing a QB uh, sneak with Jalen Hurts, of course, you're going to be 95%. You beat a squat 650. You know, he can get some good push on his (laughs) own. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. 
doesn't need the touch push. Yeah, the Panthers were definitely running the ball. And I think both front sevens kind of got pushed around. When you talk about each of them surrendering five yards per carry, uh, each team ran for yeah. five yards per carry in this football game. So I think that's something you hang your hat on uh, with Carolina's offensive line. They've got a much stiffer challenge coming this week as far as the front seven they're going to have to deal with. But for week one, I thought the offensive line played really well. All right, so let's go. You brought us there. Let's just set up camp there as well. Defensive line. What did you learn about the defense here, Wes? Overall, maybe a Vero scheme, whether you saw Derek Brown, Brian Burns. What did you think about the defense? Uh, I'm going to be all the way 100. If they would have played a more balanced offense, this score would have been real bad. If they would have played against a quarterback that was more than capable than what Ritter was with the requisite weapons that Atlanta had, it would have been really bad. Because when you talk about being able to run the ball at five yards a clip, and then you've got Kyle Pitts and Drake London and these guys on the outside, B. John Robinson uh, as well with what he showed, Algier, uh, the Panthers were fortunate in this game that the score uh, wasn't a lot worse than what it was. And so that's what I'll take away from the defense. Not that I think this defense is bad, but I just think that uh, there were plays to be had. I mean, Ritter was still 15 for 18, and we'll talk about that at some point because when he had nine completions for 31 yards, <laughs> I thought that was just comical. Uh, Jamal but from the- Charlotte is, is talking <laughs> his talk today, which, okay, like your Falcons got the win, that's all that matters. But what I am not going to give up, is that Desmond Ritter is somebody that I'm scared of. Like, I'm sorry, okay? Desmond Ritter, that is not the reason they won the football game. They won the game off of turnovers because Tyler Algier showing you that he's still a stud. Now, he had a winning play, though. That play to Kyle Pitts was huge. Well, and that's fine, but is is Desmond Ritter going to be somebody that you're scared of going forward? No, not at all. Not at all. He definitely showed that he's not not a guy that's going to kill you like that. But, yeah, I, I did think that. I thought the defense was... Um, you know, as I said, if they would have played a little bit more of a balanced offense, especially with the turnovers that happened, uh, we could have been talking about but, a much more bigger deficit that they lost by. Yeah, I, I disagree. I think with the defense, Brian Burns showed you that this is someone that needs his bag right now. Very good player. Derek Brown was awesome. I thought Derek Brown was good. I know he got there was some a couple of gaps that Atlanta was able to create, but there were some big runs for them. But also Carolina has stepped up in some of those run stop abilities. For instance, there's the one field goal that Atlanta had in the second half where Bijan Robinson runs for nine yards. Then you get stopped and you have to settle for a field goal after it was a second and one opportunity. They try to run it a couple of times and they get stopped. I think there were some stops for them. I think Desmond Ritter, yeah, I, I think a part of the game plan is not believing in him. You know when you play Atlanta, they're going to run the football more than anybody else in the National Football League. That is going to be true just like it was last year. It's going to be true this year after they draft a running back in the top 10 and still have somebody that ran for 1,000 last year. So I think that was just part of the defense. I also think tackling was an issue I don't expect to continue. Like Frankie Louvu, to me, was all over the field, Wes. Mm -hmm. But there were a couple missed tackles from him. I, he made up the the one drive where you had the big run. I'm trying to find where that drive is now in my notes, but there was the one time I thought Luvu in the run game missed a couple. There was one where I thought he could have got in from the backside and then tackled Algier, but just didn't dive for it for some, just it's not like he had poor effort, but just didn't make the play. And then he helps out when he and Burns split the sack. Mm-hmm. I thought, so he made up for it. It's just week one tackling. You see some problems there. And so I don't expect that to continue. I'm not nearly as worried about the defense as you are. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just feel like when you give up five yards of carry, man, you're at the mercy of the offense. And so I think if you're playing against, let's just say you play the Miami Dolphins, you give up five yards of carry well, if you want to, 
you're going to be giving up 40 points. Uh, you well, can go Miami, down the list of different right. offenses that if you give up five yards per carry to them, they're going to have their way with you because the playbook is wide open. They're going to keep you guessing. You're not going to know what's coming. That's all I'm saying. And so I just thought that, you know, Desmond Ritter, that spoke to where he is in his career. But, I mean, you can take your pick of NFL teams that have uh, one of the better quarterbacks. I think even if you get uh, average to above average play from your quarterback, uh, it would have been a different story. So they've, they've got to shore up that run defense for sure, man. You, you can't yeah. be giving up five five a carry. No, I agree with you there. The, the only other point I'll make is when we talk about the turnovers, that puts any defense in a bad situation. Mm-hmm. When the offense has three right? Especially two that allows you to go ahead and score the football. That's a bad situation for Dallas's defense. Even, you know, maybe not them because Michael Parsons would just have a couple sacks to bring you back 20 yards, but it puts a lot of defenses in bad situations. They do need to shore up against the run. No, though, no doubt about it. We have a couple of other things we want to tell you about what we learned. We need to go to the college game though. In the upcoming uh, segment for the campus corner, Colorado routes, Nebraska. We can get to some other moments in just a second. It's all coming up next on Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. is the Weston Walker Show. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Keep those texts coming. 704-570-9610. Another fun weekend of college football. Maybe devoid of super-duper matchups, but there was still some good college football action this weekend. And so let's get to it. Let's go to the campus. Hold on. All right. New AP football poll came out Sunday. Sitting there, number 18, up four spots, the Colorado Buffaloes after beating Nebraska 36-14. to They came out yet again with another impressive performance. They scored on eight of its ensuing nine possessions after opening the game with four punts. Colorado's offense finished with 468 yards, led by a 393-yard, two-touchdown passing performance from Shador Sanders, who also had a rushing touchdown as well. In his first two games, Shador is 69 of 89, 78% completion rate. And this isn't a guy just dinking and dunking. He's throwing the ball down the field. 903 yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions. And the Colorado defense much maligned after their win at TCU. They only gave up 341 yards of total offense, got four turnovers and six tackles for loss. The question is, there are a lot of big games coming down the pike for the Colorado Buffaloes, but are they CFP good? 
That seems like a lot, but Shador, we were just talking about how in awe we are of him. I don't know if their college football playoff good. I can't take anything away from their defense this weekend because Sims is not good. It was about time they benched him, maybe even after the first game of the season where they blow it, and all they really needed to do was, what, score a couple touchdowns against Minnesota, and they had that thing wrapped up, and they couldn't do it. Sims is really bad, actively giving the football back to Colorado, but the offense is. The offense is phenomenal. So I wonder if it's going to be like the Big 12 of yesteryear where you see an Oklahoma or you see some of these squads just put up a billion points. Now, Oklahoma can get to the college football playoff like that. I wonder if Colorado is there because we're going to praise Deion Sanders with an eight-win season, as well we should after how bad Colorado was last year. Top four team in the country seems a little too much for me right now, but hell, with the way Shador's playing, the way Travis Hunter is playing, and how talented he is, I, I might be wrong in, in the next few weeks as we revisit this. Well, they played against Matt Rule, of course. A lot of Carolina fans rooting against him. Let's hear what Shador Everybody. Sanders had said after the game about the fact that this game was personal. It was extremely personal. We go out there, warm up. You got the head coach for the other team trying to stand in the middle of the buff. Like, it's okay if, if like, a couple players do it. It's fine, you know. Like, to just enjoy the scenery. But when you got the whole team trying to disrespect it, then I'm not, you know, I'm not going for that at all. So I went in there and disrupted it. So they knew I've ripped. Like, <laughs> nah, this, the Buffaloes mean, mean a lot to me. And personally, that's what I say in pregame. And that's when I knew it was just extreme disrespect. And that's why it was the coach. The coach said a lot of things about my pops, about the program. But now that he want to act nice, I don't. I don't. I don't respect that because you hating on another man. You shouldn't do that. So it was just all respect was gone for them in their program. Now I like playing against their DC. I like playing against them, but the respect level it ain't it ain't there because you disrespected us first. <laughs> Let me tell you about why I love Colorado yet again. They speak their mind. I get so tired of these college athletes to get controlled like puppets, and they say whatever their handlers tell them to say, and they don't want to say anything provocative. That is the most candid comment I've heard from a college kid, and God knows when. Most of the time, I don't even want to watch features or hear interviews oh, no. from college players because they're going to say the same old stuff. I love it. Uh, Dion talked about it this morning. I saw Undisputed. He said that as well because he said when uh, Shadur got hyped after one of the touchdowns and took his helmet off, he told him, uh, you can't do that. He said, son, you can't do that. And he said Shadur walked up to him and said, this is personal and walked off on him. And he said how much he loved it. This is a different type of team. They give you Miami 90s vibes with the way they give it up, man. They're out there. They don't care what you think. They're going to say what's on their mind, and they're going to bring the noise. Well, tell me, because I wasn't alive for the 90s hurricanes. I know enough about them, of course. Uh -huh. but, well, I wasn't watching football. I was alive. Yeah. I apologize. <laughs> I, I'm actually 18. Surprise. <laughs> gotcha. No, I was alive. I just wasn't in tune with college football mm -hmm. as much until I got close to 2000. That was really when I got introduced. All that to be said when we compare the canes it doesn't seem like colorado is as wild as the canes were like the canes were wild all over the place right with shador it's real calculated yeah like it doesn't seem like anything is too crazy whoa shador chill a little bit this was all it's all very calm he's just telling you how it is it doesn't seem to be an emotional type of speech he's saying i lost respect everything was personal i like playing against the dc 
I mean, you know what? It feels different. It feels like a level-headed QB talking about some of the stuff he's got problems with, and I think that's why we're eating all of this up because it doesn't seem to be, oh, man, he's just throwing a tantrum. This is all different. Oh, this is all very calculated. It's cool. He's telling you how he's feeling, and he's doing it in a way where it's like, oh, he means business going forward, and the play is dictating that as well. Yeah, because where it is is that, and I say that with Miami because they were just kind of loose and free. They said and did what they wanted. Deion's more of a disciplinarian, so he's not going to necessarily put up with a lot of those shenanigans. But for a player to get on and say that they lost respect for a coach and this, that, and the third, like you say that at a lot of other programs, they're going to be, oh, my God, don't say that, don't say that, don't say that. And for him to get up there and say what he felt – I just love it, and I and I think it's very exciting. So. It, it, you're right, though. It, it's all sanitized. I, I don't. Yeah. It's hard to find really useful sound bites yes. from post game comments from players. It's hard to do that when players are speaking at ACC kickoff. You know, no short doubt of, about it. Short of Riley Leonard telling you about his "you suck" bracelet, yeah. saying that his mom tells him that you suck just to find some kind of motivation. There, there's a few things here and there, right? Well, and I know the listeners want to hear from the players, but this ain't sanitized. Not that whatsoever. Yeah, and so we're gonna get a clear picture of Colorado coming up in these next three weeks because they've got Colorado State, then they're at number 13 Oregon, and then versus number five USC. So if they are CFP good we're about to find out in the next month so also when you take a gander at the ap poll you're missing a certain team there can you tell me who that team is that wes you why don't you tell the people it is the team from clemson south carolina the tigers are missing from the ap poll i mean is it time to panic down there in Death Valley because you don't see this? Uh, we haven't seen this in so long, and the Tigers being unranked, uh, this is tough for them. They come out and win 66-17 over Charleston Southern, but it wasn't a beautiful game when it starts out. K. Klubnik fumbles the rock. Charleston Southern uh, makes good on that, and then he throws a pass that was just absolutely just dumbfounding. Mm-hmm. And they take it back for a pick six? Yeah, 100%. That was a bad pass. I think for me, I'm not panicking after this. The first half was bad. This was a tale of two halves, though. Because when you go into the locker room with a 24-17 score, it's really scary. But that score still ended up being 66-17. to Just a monster second half for Clemson. They score 28 points out of the gate as soon as you get to the third quarter. So you're right. You don't. This is, this is my takeaway, Wes. I'm not feeling great. If I'm a Clemson fan, I'm not bragging about a 66 to 17 victory. Ain't nothing to brag about after the first half and Cade Klubnik throwing it right to Charleston Southern. That was an awful throw, but he did settle in. He did get over 300 yards, which, yeah, it feels like a stretch, and I'll I'll take the clowning. But remember, (laughs) DJU in this passing offense, even against teams like Furman, right? They weren't getting over 300 yards passing. The only time we saw it was against Wake in a double overtime contest. You know who's the most, uh, the number one most efficient team in all of America right now? Is it Oregon State? It is. Is it DJU? (laughs) How did they look? Who did they play this weekend? Uh, They played a a bad team. It was hard. We'll see what they do for sure. But DJU, I'm sure he's smiling nonetheless, especially in that first half against Charleston Southern. And I'm not panicking though. Oh, and the student section, they said started chanting, we want DJ after Cade's. Did uh, they really? But they said the Tigers (laughs) were last unranked during an eight-week stretch from October 2021 to November 2021 and before that Clemson hadn't been unranked since November of 2014 so that was a streak of 107 
straight weeks. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty wild. But when so, we come, uh, real quickly, just oh. are, are you panicking about like, or, or are you already panicked because of what happened first? Week? Uh, I'm not gonna call it panic. I just think that Clemson's in a world of trouble. When you talk about Florida State on the horizon in a couple of weeks, a yeah. team that I had to eat some crow on for sure. But they definitely looked a part of a top-notch team. Well, you got Florida State coming in there that could deliver really the the true death blow to Clemson's season, perhaps. Yeah, I think it's uh, time to worry because you think if you have some of these blunders against the Charleston Southern, who offensively we know they're going to be inept against you, but then you get a team and you start making these mistakes against the FSU that can capitalize on you on damn near every drive. Yeah. If they're really clicking. Yeah. All right. I got excited. I wanted to hear your take before we went to break. <laughs> Couldn't wait, so I apologize. We can get to more college football. No doubt about it. We're going to have more college football talk on the other side. Who's the most impressive ACC team not named Florida State so far? That and more on the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC.